All right, come on. It's a good night tonight. Y'all doing all right? Love worshiping with you guys. Always a good time. Welcome to spring where it's 40 degrees outside. What a great, great night. You guys hate that, don't you? You guys, no? You love it? Rocking your beanies and your jackets, your parkas. Way to go. Hey, uh, I'm really excited for tomorrow night, community nights. We love community nights around here. It's a time for us to gather outside the church to get to know people. There are uh, dozens of people literally in here who would say, I didn't have a home, I didn't have a community, I didn't have a people that I felt like I belonged to until I started hanging out with people outside of the church that went to C12. And uh, that's really how they got connected. And so I would encourage you, if you don't feel connected yet or you don't feel like you know a whole lot of people and you want to get to know people, uh, these community nights are a great opportunity for that. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up, like Tori mentioned, on the calendar. We're going to do this little park night, and then in a few weeks we're going to play broomball. Do you guys know what broomball is? One of the greatest sports ever invented. I'm lobbying it for it to be in uh, the Olympics of 2000 and, what would that be, 22? Uh, anyways, it's like hockey on ice. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's like hockey on ice, but you're on your shoes. So no skates, and you're hitting, not a puck, you're hitting like some sort of ball or whatever. Just go Google it, YouTube it or something, and you'll find out more than my description because I sucked at that. So uh, this is week two of a series that we just started last week called Discipline Grace. And really the idea behind it is we're talking through uh, what are known as the spiritual disciplines. Now, I realize talking about spiritual disciplines is not like the most energetic, the most exciting conversation to have. Uh, I'm not really like going to, maybe, I mean, maybe I will, but my goal really isn't to inspire you with some amazing message. Really, I'm hoping that I can teach you something about faith that maybe you haven't learned before or maybe an avenue of faith that you've never walked into or you've never experimented with. So that's really our goal is to teach you some of the spiritual disciplines because we realize that faith and your spiritual walk really is not just a Thursday night or it's not just a Sunday night service that you or Sunday morning service that you go to. It's much more than that. And we hope that you come on Thursday night. We hope that you go to a church on Sunday morning. But really, your spiritual walk is like an everyday thing. And so the spiritual disciplines are uh, kind of a way that you can enter into a spiritual growth path on your own, like apart from what happens in a service. So that's really what we're going after. And uh, last week, we talked about the spiritual discipline of simplicity and what it means to be simplistic. And then uh, tonight, we're going to go after a a new one that I'm really excited about. So you may want to take notes. i got a lot of scripture for you tonight that you probably want to go back to some other time uh, and a lot of just different kind of facts and things for you tonight that I'm really, really excited about. So nudge your neighbor. Say, neighbor, wake up. I don't know. Neighbor, I love you. Maybe say that. That's a better thing to say. So, if you remember from um, last week, talking about the spiritual disciplines, talking about simplicity, we said a couple of things that you need to know. Uh, the Bible gives us these spiritual disciplines, and then really all throughout church history for the past you know, thousands of years, Christians have been practicing these spiritual disciplines. And so a couple of things that you need to know. Uh, number one, the disciplines we said last week are kind of like trails that lead you into a spiritual growth path. 
And so if your goal as a Christian is to grow in your faith, is to mature in your faith, and to kind of hit a stride in your faith where you're becoming closer and closer to Jesus, then you're wanting to get on a growth path. And so the disciplines are like these trails on the side that will lead you into that. Now, it's important you know this because the disciplines themselves are not what causes you to grow. Right? Growth comes only from the grace of God that he would, that he would help you to grow. That, that's a God thing that he does inside of you. So the disciplines themselves do not cause growth. What the disciplines do is they put you in a position where then God can grow you. And so that's what the disciplines do is they kind of lead you into a growth path uh, where you can grow up and be on this spiritual growth journey uh, that we're hoping that you'll go on. And so tonight we're going to talk about uh, one of the inward spiritual disciplines. So there's four inward spiritual disciplines. You have prayer, uh, meditation, study, and then the one that we're going to talk about tonight, and you guys are just going to go crazy, I know, is we're going to talk about fasting. <laughs> yes, so exciting. Aren't you glad you came tonight? See, all of you are like, dang it, should have picked next week, right? No, you're here, so it would be really awkward if you leave right now. Just stay seated. Um, we're going to talk about fasting. So uh, if you're like me, you hear fasting and you're like, come on, Austin, this is for like the spiritual elite people. This is for like Bible people. This is for the Bible, like, you know, the guys that are really just ah, spiritual. This is not for me. I'm just a normal dude, right? I, this is not for me. That's kind of what I thought too. But I want you to hear me tonight. Fasting is something that every Christian has the opportunity to be a part of. It's not, it's not something for the spiritual elite and all of us normal people are down here. It's actually something that you can be a part of. It's something that you can participate in. It's a spiritual discipline that as you read scripture, you'll find that it's a pretty normal thing in scripture. And so we're going to talk a little bit about it tonight and where it comes up in scripture and how it can apply to our life and all that kind of stuff. But biblical fasting, to give you a definition for it, Biblical fasting is essentially this. It's giving up something in order to fill up with more of Jesus. So I'm giving up something in order to fill up with more of Jesus. So just so you know, like not eating a particular food or not eating for a certain amount of time in order to lose weight, not fasting. That's not fasting. So if you're doing that to get your beach bod, doesn't count, right? Because you have to include in the definition, it's giving up something, which oftentimes is food, for a season of time in order to fill up with more of Jesus. So apart from the fill up with more of Jesus, you really can't call it a fast. So I want to give you a few points about fasting just as we start this tonight. So we're going to look at some scripture in the book of Matthew. So if you got your Bible, you can follow along. We'll have one on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 6. Does anybody bring their Bible to church? You can just count on the one in front of you. I mean, it doesn't make you, like, better. I <laughs> gotcha. Cool. Be proud of your Bible. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 17. And it says this. It says, when you fast, that's important, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. So here's basically the point and a couple of things I just want to point out as we start the conversation here. First of all, fasting is not a command, it's an opportunity. So fasting in scripture is not a command that you have to do this. It's simply an opportunity for you to experience a spiritual discipline that will hopefully propel you into a growth path. And the reason we know this is scripture says when you fast. So notice that it doesn't say um, if you fast. It says when you fast. And it also doesn't say you should fast. So it's almost like the Bible is using a language that just assumes this is a part of your spiritual life. In fact, when you read all of scripture, oftentimes uh, prayer and fasting go simultaneously together. And so it says when you fast, as if this is just something that we would do. Of course, we're Christians. This is what we do. We fast, right? But how many of you like would say fasting is a regular part of, of don't raise your hand, a regular part of your life? Not me. Not a regular part of my life. But why? Like, I would like to say prayer is a regular part of my life. And actually, if you read before fasting here, uh, the scriptures talk about giving and prayer. Well, giving is a pretty regular thing for most Christians who attend church. We have the you know, tithe and offering. Prayer is probably something you're familiar with. But fasting, really? Is that? But scripture puts fasting with the same conversation as prayer and giving. So I want to just alert you to that, that there's possibly fasting is something that is supposed to be more normal to us than we uh, usually make it. Also, uh, Scripture says that fasting is not something that you boast about. In other words, this is not something that you do so that others can look at you as more spiritual. In fact, this is oftentimes something that's done in private where no one else knows that it's happening except for you and God. That's why it says put oil on your face or whatever. Basically, make your appearance so that you're not walking around. Everybody's like, oh, that guy's fasting. What a spiritual guy or girl. No, this is something between you and God. It has nothing to do with you being elite, right? So those are a couple things. Ultimately, fasting, you got to know this, is not manipulating God so that he will do what you want him to do. Now, that's important for you to know because if you're not careful, what you'll do is you'll practice fasting in a way where it's like, all right, God, I'm going to go without food, so you better reward me for this. You see what I'm going through? I'm not eating for a whole day, God, so you better give me what I want. No, that's not at all what it is. Fasting is something that you do. I give this up. I give up food so that I can fill up with more of Jesus. I need more of God in my life. And if I get him more, then I get what he brings more. So ultimately, what I want more than anything is a nearness to God that I don't have right now. Or I want a different level. I want to go, I want to, go to something new. And so I give something up in order to get there. And so let's talk a little bit more about that. Why, why would you fast? Great question. You're probably asking this. Why would I fast? Why would I go about doing this? So let me give you a few things. We're going to put them on the screen. First thing is just the overall umbrella is the point is to draw near to God. The point is to draw nearer. Like I want to get closer to God. And so when I fast, when I give up food, I'm going to tell you in more detail in a second, that causes me to draw nearer to him. And I'll tell you why later. But ultimately that's the goal is I want to draw nearer to God. Now a couple other things that we can see in scripture of why people in scripture have fasted. Number one, 
guidance and direction. You can see um, in Scripture the story of Daniel. If you read all of Daniel, he constantly is uh, praying and fasting because he's looking for wisdom from God. He needs guidance and direction. Maybe you need guidance or direction about uh you know, a career move or a degree or something. Fasting in Scripture a lot of times is for this. Uh, repentance is another one. If you read the story of Joel, uh, it's, it's mentioned there. Mourning and grief in First Samuel chapter 31, there's uh, some soldiers there, and they mourn the death of their king, and it says they do that by fasting and praying. To seek deliverance or help, we find that in Second Chronicles. Uh, preparation for ministry. Interesting enough, as Jesus was entering his like adult ministry, before he ever did a miracle, before he ever did anything, it says that he went into a fast. It's almost like Jesus knew that I'm going to need more power. I'm going to need something besides what I offer physically. I'm going to need a, a supernatural power that comes out of me. And so he goes into a fast. Expression of worship. We see this in uh, Luke chapter 2. There's a prophet named Anna, and it says that she worships Jesus by praying and fasting, seeking leaders for the ministry. The apostles in Acts are looking for uh, different leaders in the church, and so they spend time fasting and praying, asking God to bring them more leaders for the church. So clarity, direction, uh, even I put in there interceding for someone else. A lot of times, one of the things I did a couple years ago, I haven't, I'll tell you, just be honest, I haven't fasted like a ton in my life. I know you may think, you know, that's the pastor. He's probably fasting every week. Negative. I love food. So um, uh, I've fasted a couple times, and one of the times was um, back in college. So a few years ago, I uh, found out my mother had breast cancer. And so there was a day that she was going in for surgery for a biopsy, and I just felt like the Lord prompted me that day to spend the day fasting and praying. And so what would happen is during that day when I would get a hunger pain, it reminded me to pray for my mother. And so that was just something that was one of the times. So oftentimes if you're, you know of a friend who is going through a struggle or they have a burden on their life, maybe you join in and you intercede on their behalf. You pray for them and you want to enter into praying and fasting. So that's another option. Anyways, I wanted you just to see these and I wanted to ask you, are any of these maybe a situation that you've encountered? Have you ever needed guidance and direction? Have you ever needed to repent? Have you ever been in a season of mourning or grief? Have you ever needed help or seeking deliverance or preparation for a ministry job that you felt like God was leading you into or worship? If so, then the Bible says that fasting is a part of that. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope maybe you're just opening your mind to go, geez, this is actually more of a thing than I thought it was. So what would a fast do for you? I mean, this is kind of like why some people would do it. But what exactly does a fast or fasting do is the question. So I want to give you three things tonight, uh, reasons or things that a fast um, could do, reasons that a fast is helpful. You ready? Starbucks has the best water. Where do you guys get this? It's amazing. It's like a well. No, it's not. It's amazing water. Okay, number one. Number one, what could a fast do for me? Number one, it focuses your attention on God. First thing is it gives you a different, like, clear focus on God. And here's how. 
When you go without food, let's say food, for example. When you go without food, then you have hunger pains, right? You get hungry. It doesn't take long. If you, let's just say you skip lunch. Well, about 1 o'clock, you're going, I'm hungry, right? So all throughout that day or however long you decide to do this, you're going to have hunger pains. And so it's in that moment as you have entered into this fast that you said, every time I get a hunger pain, I'm going to pray. Every time I get hungry, I'm going to do whatever, whatever the reason was you entered into this fast. And so during that, you draw nearer to God. And so your focus and your attention is on God. And so as you enter into this fast and you go through it, you'll likely find yourself throughout the day with a different attention, a different focus on God. So you're sitting there doing your work, doing your school or whatever, and then you're just constantly aware of your hunger and so you're constantly led into a moment to pray. It doesn't have to be like some, you know, elaborate, like, five-minute prayer. Just a little 10-second prayer. And whatever it is that you're praying for, whatever led you into that, then in that moment. So you have this connection for that day or however long of time that, I don't know about you, but I just, on a regular day, I'm doing my stuff and thinking about other things, and I, just, I don't have that. And so a fast can give you a different focus on God that you likely uh, haven't had. It draws me into this communion with him because I am more aware of him due to the physical hunger. So it will bring you, a fast will bring you into prayer throughout your day. The second thing that it does is it breaks the control and it builds your will. I love this. This is kind of like a side thing that a fast does for you. But I have a weird, um, like a weird fear of becoming addicted to things. It's just kind of like in the back of my head, I just have this overwhelming fear. The idea of me not being able to say no to something or just being addicted to anything just scares me that I would be under the control of something so much so that I would not be able to resist it. It freaks me out. I used to... Um, I used to work out back when I was a young whippersnapper like you guys used to really be into to working out. And so when I worked out, they have these, like, drinks. They're called pre-workout drinks. Anybody, anybody drink pre-workout drinks? So um, I would drink these pre-workout drinks that have, like, caffeine levels and they have, you know, vasodilators. And so they expand your veins and they bring more blood in so that fills your muscles and you get jacked and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I used to drink those. But I had this crazy fear because every time that I would drink them before I went to the gym, it gave me this, like, stimulation and I loved doing it. What I found is that without it, I didn't enjoy working out as much. But what I would do because I was afraid of getting addicted to this drink, like for the rest of my life I'm going to drink this thing and then have this like addiction to caffeine for working out. So I would go a month on this stuff and then I would break it and go two weeks without these drinks because I just had this fear of becoming addicted to something, like the idea of my body just being completely reliant. So did you know, I, like we have a weird, I don't know that I would call it addiction, but you have a weird dependence on food. I think part of it, if you've been to any other country, part of your dependence on food is just the culture that we live in. And we've just been brought up that you have to have three big meals a day, and then you have to have all these, like, snacks in between and all this kind of stuff. We have a weird obsession and dependence on food in our culture. If you're like me, your whole day revolves around when and what you're going to eat. I wake up in the morning literally look at my calendar and go, what am I going to eat today? Anybody else do that, or am I just weird? Okay, thanks. Appreciate that. Um, but fasting will break that control 
of food on your life. I know you say, that's weird, Austin, like food is a necessity. You're right, it is a necessity, but not as much as we've made it out to be. You need to eat, obviously. You can't survive without eating. But food has a weird control over our lives that fasting will break. And I'm telling you, it's not until you experience that you go, gosh, I'm actually, like, why am I so connected and dependent on eating like I am? Everything in my life revolves around this. It's not, it has nothing to do with whether you are, you know, skinny or fat. It has everything to do with just your dependence on food. You're like, it's your routine that you're in. Fasting will break that, and it will challenge your will. And here's what I mean by that. Your will is essentially this. It is uh, your ability to say no to what you want and your ability to say yes to what you don't want. Let me say it again. Your ability to say no to what you want or what your flesh is telling you that you desire or your ability to say yes to what you don't want. This is the journey of your life is can you say no to the things that you want. Quite possibly, this is invading your life now at the age that you're at more than ever. Can you say no to the things that you want? And the, um, the lack of ability to do that will destroy some people's life. So can you say no? And the good thing is, is that when you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit, and so your will is like teamed up with the Holy Spirit, so you're not under your own power, you're under the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, which is a great thing. And so you receive this like extra lift, this extra push into your will. So you're not just relying on yourself, but it does require a little bit of your will. And so fasting will challenge. Can you say no to a commitment that you've made to not eat? How many of you, that sounds awful? It sounds awful to me. Can you say no to not eating? Um, not something that I want to do. But I would challenge you because if you can't say no to that, it likely will flow into other areas of your life. Can you say no to the things that are crying out inside of you that you want? The last thing, probably my favorite point of what fasting will do is that it will remind you that Jesus is better. That Jesus is what? So, in the Bible, we have uh, only three examples of things that people fasted from. In other words, three things that people gave up in order to get more filled up with Jesus. And those, those three things were this. Number one, food. Number two, they gave up sex. Terrible. And number three, they gave up sleep. So people, these are the three examples of what people gave up in the Bible. They gave up food, they gave up sex, and they gave up sleep. But the most common is food. Now I had to ask myself, why were these the three things that people chose to give up? Why were these, like, what is it about these three things that people fasted from different than other things? I believe that all three of these represented a quality that Jesus was trying to tell the world that he could meet better than any material thing. All three of these represented like a spiritual quality that Jesus was trying to tell the world, I can meet this better than any physical material thing. So let's talk about food. 
We are utterly dependent on food. We're physical human beings. We need it. We can't live life without it. We need it for life, strength, satisfaction. Yet, Jesus says in John chapter 6, I want to read you this in verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Jesus is using a material metaphor of a spiritual reality. That bread is a metaphor. I am, what he's saying is, I am the better bread. I am the better dependence, the better strength, the better portion, the better satisfaction. Essentially, I am to your life what bread is to your stomach. I am the one that will satisfy your soul. I am the one that will satisfy everything you need. I will satisfy you. And you may need to give up physical bread to be reminded of those things. To be reminded that he is your satisfaction. So he would call people to give up the physical bread to remind them that he is, in essence, the spiritual bread for them. That he is their satisfaction. I love the story in John chapter 4 when Jesus is hanging out with the woman at the well. And there's this encounter with this woman and he sends his disciples off. And the disciples, they go get food. And they come back and... uh, they, they say this to Jesus. They say, Jesus, eat something. And he replies with maybe the most, like, gangster statement in the Bible. I love it. He says this. Um, they say, Rabbi, eat something. And, and he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. <laughs> Just, ah, so epic. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then they literally respond. They say, did someone come bring him food? (laughs) What a bunch of idiots. I'm kidding. But what he's saying is I am sustained by more than just physical food. I have a sustenance that you know nothing about. I'm being sustained by more than physical bread. The next thing, not only food, but they gave up sex. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> um, this, is, this is the worst, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I don't know how honest to be here, Jen. I just, I just go for it. Uh, my wife has been through pregnancy, and, you know, anyways, this is terrible. You should not. <laughs> I guess if God calls you to it, you got to do it. Um, But this is essentially embracing that spiritual intimacy with Jesus is better than physical intimacy. That's hard. Spiritual intimacy with Jesus is better than physical intimacy. And so he would call married couples for a season of time to give up sex and to enter into a prayer and fasting season together. So that they could get in a spiritual growth path. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says that you are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. In other words, 
you operate more off of just physical needs. You operate in the spirit realm. John chapter 17, Jesus prayed that we would be one with the Father just as he was one with the Father. In other words, I am to your life what sex is in your marriage. That in me you are known, you are safe, you are completely loved, you have all the affection you need. Because Jesus is the better intimacy. He offers a better pleasure and a better love than you will find in anyone else. And there may come a time where you need to give up physical intimacy so that you can experience a spiritual intimacy that you've never had. That's the purpose of fasting. The last one, almost as crazy as sex, is sleep. People would give up sleep. Embracing that Jesus is the better rest, that he is a better rest. I love sleep. Anybody love sleep? I love sleep. But I've had nights where I've had to go without sleep, aka children, uh, or finals. I've had nights where I've had to go without sleep. And this is what I know. The next day, if you're smart, and I had awareness because someone had warned me about it, the next day I said, all right, Lord, I'm tired, and when I get tired, I'm on the edge. When I'm on the edge, I'm much more vulnerable to, like, acting out against people, to lashing out against people, to just being a fool. And so that next day, in my tiredness, I had to rely much more on Jesus getting me through that day. Like, Lord, you're going to have to walk with me in every decision, every encounter, every relationship. I'm much more relied on him because I went without that. It's possible that God would call you to fasting from sleep so that you would understand that he is a better rest. I want to read to you a scripture in Matthew chapter 11. He says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am to your life what sleep is to your body. When you are asleep, you are most at peace. So what he's saying is, I give you rest. I give you peace. I am your peace. I am your comfort. In me, you can find rest for your soul. I think God called people to fast from these three things in particular to point out a link between the physical quality and a spiritual quality that only he could meet. Perhaps you need to give up some sleep to be reminded that he is those things. So hear me out. Fasting is withholding of a material need to acknowledge the spiritual reality behind it. Because there's a better satisfaction than food, there's better intimacy than sex, and a better rest than sleep. And his name is Jesus, and he offers all of it. And so I know fasting is not something that most, like, honestly, I, I don't enjoy talking about. It's not something I love to do. And most people don't even want to hear about it. But here's what I would challenge you with. If your desire is to grow spiritually, if your desire is to draw nearer to the Lord, if your desire is to grow in him to become a more mature believer, 
then spiritual disciplines are something you should at least entertain. Is it a command? Is it something you have to do? No, no, not all of them. Fasting is not something you better do or else. No, but it's an opportunity. And I'll tell you this, out of all the 12 disciplines, I've found fasting to be the most effective as far as me seeing a change in me drawing nearer to the Lord. So, if you came in here tonight and you had a view on fasting, maybe you've never even thought about it. Maybe this is the worst talk you've ever heard. I hope at least you would be open to growing in your relationship with Christ. And if you're open to it, would you be open to at least trying this to see? So what would it look like to do a practical fast? What would it look like? What are just some practical ways that you can do? Well, I'm about to announce something that I've been waiting to announce. We're going to do one together, if you want. You don't have to. You don't, we're not going to, like, judge you if, if you don't do it. But we thought, you know, we're going to talk about fasting, so why not give people an opportunity, if they want, to give it a shot? You don't have to, but if you want to, give it a shot. We're going to do it. Uh, the leadership of our team, me and Tori, we're going to do it. And so uh, if you want to, you can jump in on it as well. So we've, we've created kind of a pamphlet for you uh, because we just desire for you to grow in spiritual disciplines. Uh, you may decide that this is not something you want to do now, but in the future, uh, you may want to give it a shot. And so if you feel prompted to do it, then here's what we're going to do together as a community. So we've made this. We have them available out in the lobby. You can pick one up if you're interested. But uh, essentially, we're going to do four different kinds of fast. You pick one, whichever one you want to do, and they have kind of different levels. And I want to encourage you, if you've never done one, if you're new, then start low. You don't have to go, you know, all out and say, I'm not going to eat for four days. Probably not smart. Um, <laughs> let's pick a level that, you know, you can experiment with and, um, and go for it. Jerry, come on up. Um, so here's the couple that we're going to go after. The first is called a Daniel fast. Anybody heard of a Daniel fast? So if you read the story of Daniel um, in the Bible, he went on a fast. And essentially, it's a eat only fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Only fruits, nuts, and vegetables. And so you got to leave out a bunch of other stuff, but that's possible. I've done one of those. I did a 10-day Daniel fast. And so it's very possible you can actually eat Chipotle and get away with staying on the Daniel fast. Um, good news. I don't know why you would want to eat anywhere else, actually. Um, so, by the way, let me make this clear. We're going to do this for next Monday, next Monday through Thursday. So that's four days. And um, what we're going to do is on Thursday, when you come in after the service, we're going to celebrate the ending of it by throwing a party in the lobby with tons of food for us to just grub out on, and um, it'll be a lot of fun. So the Daniel Fast is one of them, and uh, you, can, you can Google Daniel Fast. There's tons of stuff. There's books on it. It's uh, probably the most common, like, food fast that people do. That's one of them. That's the only food one. So the next three are, are other things that you can go without in order to fill up with more of Jesus. So the next one is a social media fast. Um, now let me, I think it's important just to make this clear. I, I don't know that you can call that necessarily a fast. Um, anyways, we're going to offer it to you. 
I think it's smart. Go without it and uh, see what happens. But let me remind you in all of these, the goal is not to give something up. That's just, that's healthy. That's good. You should do that. The goal is as I give something up, I fill up with more of Jesus. So if you just give up social media, but in the moments when you feel, like in the moments where you would go on social media, if you're not filling that void with maybe saying a prayer or maybe reading scripture, if you spend an hour on your phone uh, at the end of the night before you go to bed, just scrolling through stuff, whatever, maybe not be a problem with that. But for these four days, would you be willing just to give that up and instead just read your Bible? Would you be willing just to just give that up and do something else? Download the Bible app on your phone and instead of going to Instagram, go to the Bible app. Maybe that's possible for you. The next one is um, you could try and no Netflix or TV. Fast. <laughs> this is so funny watching all of y'all's faces. So don't watch any streaming services or TV. Netflix, Hulu, all that good stuff. Instead, use this time to reconnect with God in a more meaningful and creative way. Imagine all the time you could have. And then lastly, I guess uh, this kind of would count in the food category, but would you be willing to fast from caffeine? Now, let me say this. For some of you, that's not that hard. Don't pick that one, okay? That's a wussy way out. Don't pick that one. Pick something that's going to challenge you. Pick something that's going to get you out of your comfort zone a little bit. And then um, on the bottom there, we just got a little note. We'd love to hear. We really listen to me. This is not, we're not trying to just be crazy people. We're not trying to make you just do something that you don't want to do. No, we're just giving you an opportunity. This is something that we really believe is taught in Scripture. And um, it's a way that we can experience God on a different level. And many people don't go into it because it's, it's a little bit unknown. It's out of your comfort zone. It requires something of you that maybe is, you've never, like, tapped into before. So we're just trying to give you an opportunity. So here's the deal. There's no guilt. This isn't like if you don't do it, you're not spiritual. or this is, We're not trying to do any of that. And let me remind you, this is not, we're not going to like, hey, are you doing it? Are you doing it? Are you doing it? I really don't think we should even talk about it like out in the lobby. Or I don't think this is like a topic of conversation. I think this is between you and God. Would you be willing to step into this for four days, next Monday through next Thursday, and just see what God could do? Let me challenge you. I know a lot of people that um, love church and that love the person of Jesus. But when it comes to adopting a spiritual discipline, they wouldn't even give it a shot. I just want to challenge you, man, grow. Life, life with Jesus is so much more than just existing. It's about growing and experiencing more of him. And sometimes, sometimes experiencing more of him requires you to step into something that's not normal. Like I have to, to give up the ordinary in order to experience the extraordinary. And so would you be willing to give up social media for four days and replace that with some time with the Lord and just see what happens? I'd like to challenge you to do it. We're going to do it together, and we've made that for you. And then next Thursday, we're going to celebrate. And um, we've got what I was going to say is on the bottom, share your story with us. We'd love to hear what happens in your life. If you sense a breakthrough, if you sense 
just a nearness to the Lord that you, you haven't had in a while, we want to hear about it. And so uh, we've kind of just said email us at college at 12stone.com because we'd love just to hear your story and know that this is actually helping people in uh, their spiritual walk. So I'm excited. for. I'd love to pray for you. Um, and then we're going to sing a song and we'll give you some more information. So, Father, walking with you is truly the desire of our heart. And um, knowing you, experiencing more of you, being led to different levels with you is really what we want. And so, God, I ask that you would make this fast, whatever these people choose, would you make it more than just giving up something? Would you make it a marking moment in their walk with you that they'll never forget? That on that week in March, something unlocked in my faith, something clicked, and I'll never forget it. I've never been the same. God, I pray that those kinds of stories would arise out of this. Lord, my heart and my prayer is that you would make this ministry full of people that are just deep wells. There's so much intimacy with you in them. There's so many experiences that they've had with you. There's deep moments that they've had with you. There's mornings that they've spent just spent just meeting with you and talking with you and praying with you. There's days that they've spent going without food so that they could have more of you. God, my prayer is that you would raise up people in this room that have that kind of faith, that kind of story. Lord, make us more than just people who love church. Make us more than just people who love to come sing a few songs and listen to a talk. Make us people who are hungry for you more than anything else. We love you, Lord. Thank you that you would um, give us such an opportunity to grow in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.